When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast, and for the third time in four years, the Celtics are in the conference finals. But will they advance to the NBA finals for the first time in 10 years? We'll answer that today. As always, Brian Robb is here. I'm Rich Levine. Today in the third chair, fresh off his epic chase down block of Norm Powell, big welcome to Ryan Bernardoni, aka Danger Cart a.k.a. the Dean of Celtics Twitter. Ryan, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here for, uh, <laughs> and talk, to another, talk about another playoff series instead of my normal off-season salary cap, all that. I'm very happy to have another uh, another game to talk about here. Okay, so, uh, B-Rob, how are you doing before we get going? I'm good. Let's get to business here. Okay, so unfortunately, we, we, we didn't talk. We didn't talk after the Raptors series. Great series, Game Seven. Marcus's block. Uh, it's sort of old news at this point. We got another potential Game Seven series on our hands. First question: We're gonna we're gonna figure out right now. We're gonna each gonna mention a few things that we think need to happen in order for the Celtics to advance to the finals. First one, uh, Ryan. I'm gonna start with you. Does Jason Tatum need to outplay Jimmy Butler for the Celtics to win this series? I don't think he needs to. It would certainly be helpful. Uh, I think one of the things that the Celtics have going for them in this series is they do have good high-end depth. Part of it will come down to something that I'm sure we'll talk about with Gordon Hayward. Uh, but if Kemba Walker is by far the third best player, if you have the second and third, they could certainly win that way. But, uh, you know, a lot of times these things come down to who has the best player. And uh, we saw, I think, in the last series, uh, Game 7 in particular, that's really maybe what was the deciding factor. So I would certainly... Uh, think that if he is the best player the Celtics will win but I don't think it's necessary that he is for them to win. B-Rob what's going to be the difference with Kemba this series compared to Toronto is it as easy as not having I mean because clearly Nick Nurse was focused on just uh, not solely stopping Kemba but that was a huge part of their game plan not sure if Spolcher is going to do that but do you have the confidence that Kemba is going to be like Ryan said potentially the third best player in the series? Yeah, because Miami does not have a pair of elite guards defensively in the backcourt. Um, Lowry is tremendous, and I think Van Vliet, um, he may be small, but he I think he did a heck of a job on Kemba in that series, um, just in terms of staying on him in the pick and, you know, in the box in one situations and just staying attached and fighting around screens well when they did get separated. So, um, Drogic. Great player, not known for his defense. Um, Duncan Robinson, not known for his defense. And so you just look that there's not a lot of intimidating or any intimidating defensive guards on the the Heat roster. So I think that's going to help. I do think we'll see a lot of zone and, you know, junk defenses from Spolstra for that. But um, the Celtics, I feel like, saw everyone in the book in that round two. So that, that should probably help them here. I think one thing that helps Kemba as well is that he grew up and he came up playing against the Heat a bunch of times a year. I mean, him and him and Drogic have been going at it for the, for most of Kemba's career. So certainly a matchup that he's comfortable with, a team that he's comfortable going against. I mean, clearly they're a little bit different than than the Heat that that uh, that Kemba you know was, was always playing against. But I think at least in the in the Dragic uh, matchup that is going to help. 
Um, so Ryan, what do, you, what, what do you got? What's what's our next our next focus? And I, I guess that, Br, what do you think about the Tatum versus Jimmy? I mean, is is it not as easy as that? But I mean, if if, if Tatum is the best player, I think we can just, we, we can we can all agree that the Celtics will win. Yeah, I think that takes it out. And I mean, the Celtics have enough depth, like you've mentioned, Rich, around them where if Tatum is two is to, to Butler in the series, if the Celtics have the next two best players in the series, that still might be enough. But I mean, I'm fascinated from both of you guys. I mean, Ryan, like who who do you want most on Jimmy in this series? Clearly, there's going to be a ton of switching um, defensively for the Celtics, so it's not like he's going to be glued to him. But given all your other defensive variables you're weighing, like who who's the best matchup with things on the line on Jimmy, do you feel like? Yeah, I think at the very end of the game, which is actually where I was going to go next, but we covered this one first, uh, is I think it probably ends up being smart because at that point, Butler's going to be on the ball, right? You expect him to have the ball in his hands if there's you know 50 seconds left in a tie game or something like that. And at that point, you probably want smart on him. Through the majority of the game, I think it's going to be Jalen. I'm fine with that. Um, I think part of that is that you want smart to be chasing probably Duncan Robinson, also maybe Tyler Hero, who's maybe not as dynamic off the ball, but you want him chasing those shooters around all those screens. Uh, he's really your best option for that. Jalen not necessarily great at that so I think with Butler's strength with the way that he's you know on the ball a decent amount trying to get to the hoop that Jalen's probably the best option there but like crunch time last possession you're going to put your best defender on him and that's that is smart so I think that's probably how it plays out uh and or at least that's how it'll start right we saw last series there are a lot of switches that that happen in the game but there's also a lot of between game uh you know changes in the the strategy that Brad's putting out there and and if you have certain guys hunting switches and things like that, you may shift those lineups around even a little bit just to maybe attract the, the screen that you want, things like that. But in, as a base level, I think it's probably Jalen uh, and then Smart at the very, very end. But I don't know, Rich, do you have a disagreement on that? Or <laughs> that's, no, that's how I, I read, but I think a lot of people uh, maybe would go the other way right from the start. Yeah, I know, my, my thought is just that. I mean, because you, you look at Jalen last round, right? I mean, and it's it's crazy. You know, he averaged he averaged more than twenty points a game, almost nine rebounds, two steals, fantastic. The uh, his offense was was not great. You know, shot twenty eight percent from three, uh, you know, ninety seven offensive rating. I think he's the only the of, of the guys who actually played in that series. The only guy with the offensive rating under a hundred. You know, one of only three with the defensive rating under a hundred too. So it, it it balanced out. But is he sacri- and, and especially now, if he's going to be chasing Jimmy around or dealing with Jimmy for most of this series, are we kind of expecting for him to not be able to be the Jalen that the Celtics need offensively if he's expending so much energy on defense, B-Rep? Yeah, I mean, it's a fair question. And I guess the other part, I agree with Fry in terms of, like, that's ideally what you want for because you need Smart on shooters and, and Tatum on is better closing on shooters too. But then, um, like you said, the energy factor with Jalen chasing Belleron. And then I always also just worry about the foul trouble with him too for Butler, who is, you know, tremendous at that. And so is can Jalen stay, like, disciplined enough to avoid, you know, getting in foul trouble every other game and then putting the season in the bind, especially if, if Gordon Hayward isn't back. But um, I do think – I agree with Ryan. I think they'll start with Jalen on them, but, like, like I said, that, that, could, that could shift over the course of the series, and you're going to have to hope – you're going to have to get offense from elsewhere um, because Jalen's, I think, going to be pretty worn out from chasing Jimmy around. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. Um, So the question I had and where I was going with the next one is we can talk about the first 47 minutes of the game and maybe it's Jalen, maybe it's, you know, Ojale will get his chances. uh, Jason maybe plays some on there. You have all these opportunities. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I'm totally there with you on that sound. Uh, But in the last minute, 
uh, that was actually the question that I have is, I don't know if it's uh, Jimmy against Jason in the last minute. We saw in the last series that at the very end of the game, they went to Kemba. And he actually, you know, for all that he had struggles throughout a lot of that series from the way they were defending him uh, at the end of one game, right? He, at the end of game three, he draws three defenders, makes the right pass to Tice. It doesn't end the way that we would want in the last half a second, but uh, he made the right play there. Uh, at the end of game six, he makes the right play again, beats his defender, gets fouled. They don't call it. If they do, they probably win that game. And then he makes the two clutch free throws at the end of game seven, or, you know, bring it from three to five. Uh, and so a lot of times, you, I think in the last minute, there's, the ball is going to be in Kemba's hands, probably instead of Jason. And so the question that I have for, for you, and I don't know if, uh, B-Rob, if you want to go first on this, is who do you actually have the most faith in at the end of the game here? Kemba being, def- you know, probably being defended by Butler, Butler being defended by Smart, maybe it does go to Tatum. Like, who do you think at the very end of a close game has the advantage in this series? It's a great question. Um... I'm going to go Kemba showed me something in that last series because he's willing to pass in those big spots to, and find the open guy, which I'm not sure I trust, you know, Butler or Tam or anyone else who might have the, the ball there with the game on the line to do as much. Um, so I'm going to go to Kemba by a nose there. Cause I, I also don't think that I think he has a speed advantage over anyone that the heat could put on in that spot. And I'm not sure Jimmy has that same advantage going up against the Caesarich. What do you think there? Do we think whoever has the ball in the Celtics that Jimmy's on the ball? Yes. Like who, no matter who, he's he's waving everyone off and saying, okay, whoever who, whoever is being whether it's an isolation, whoever has the ball at the top of the key with time running down, Jimmy's stepping up and guarding him, right? So it's not like we got Tate, like like uh, Bam or, or or Crowder on Tatum. Whether it's Tatum or Kemba, it's Jimmy. I'm not 100% sure about that. Sorry. I mean, what do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure about that because I think if you start with uh, where he's defending Tatum, then they just don't have Tatum come up and set the screen, right? You just have somebody else come up if if you want a screen or if not. You you can do a little bit of choosing your own defender there, uh, particularly if you're coming out of a timeout. You know, it depends on what the possession exactly is, all that that plays into it. But the Celtics have enough threats where they're going to have to put Jimmy somewhere to begin with and you, you could pick between them, right? Like you could say, well, if he's guarding Kemba, then you bring Tatum to the top and, and he's the one who gets the play. I don't know. That might be overthinking a little bit in some cases. I sort of agree with, with B-Rob that like Kemba can, can outquick Jimmy anyway. Um, with one possession left, particularly if you're trying to get like last, last shot of a game, you probably just live with it and you attack that. Uh, but yeah, I think you, you do a little bit of picking your own defender there if you, if you ever have the option. They certain, that's certainly who Miami is going to want on whoever's got the ball at the top of the key at the end of the game, I think. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's, again, this is one of the advantages, and we'll talk about that the Celtics have, is the fact that, and we'll, we'll get to Gordon as well if he's out there, uh, but, and depending on how Marcus Smart is feeling in a particular, on a particular night, there are five people on the court for the Celtics who can, who can potentially kill you, that you have to worry about. I mean, four, four of whom, and maybe even five, who can go for 30 in a, in a single night. Um, so I think that would be the biggest difference, right? That it doesn't necessarily matter who has the ball at the end for the Celtics. I think they can all kill you in the right situation. Uh, B-Rob, you want to go next with your... Uh... Yeah, so let's... Um, I kind of went off the board of my first one here in terms of uh, a potential way the Celtics need to be the Heat here. Uh, do you guys... You know, the Celtics' last, I'd say, bad loss of the uh, bubble came against Miami in, you know, the second week of the seeding games. Um, do you guys remember who who played center in that game? 
nobody mm. for part of the game. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that is correct. They did go f- small ball uh, five for the end of the second half and got crushed by BM Adebayo. And Cantor played some, Tice played some, Grant Williams played some. Um, and then Rob Williams came in for the last 30 seconds of the game. And that was his first real appearance in seeding games down there. And then the next night, he got some legitimate run against the Nets. And as we say, the rest is history in terms of his ascent to um, eventual ascent to starting center of the Celtics. But for now, he's coming off the bench here. And I kind of look at him after his effectiveness in the last series against a non-shooter like BM Adebayo as a really important weapon for the Celtics in the series potentially since... Um, Tice has been great. He's going to get a ton of minutes, but you worry about foul trouble there. You worry about him, you know, potentially getting cold offensively. But Rob Williams has been just a monster on the offensive glass, um, can kind of mess up the Heat's defense with um, his ability to draw gravity towards the rim. And I don't know. I think this could be another big series for him um, in a in a minor role. Rich, do you do you? Am I off my rocker here? No, I mean, listen, I love Time Lord. Any situation where he can potentially be his best self, I mean, that's that's what the Celtics want to try and do. I just wonder, just with the way it works out with the timing, you know, if he's not starting, like, is, is Spolster just going to go to Kelly? Is, is he going to be in a situation where it's not, like, a matchup against a non-shooter like Bam, but, like, you know, where he does have himself back in a Serge Ibaka kind of situation i don't know because and and what, what what do we think about Cantor this series i know he played there were two games where he was active against miami this year one he played 15 minutes in a loss then like six minutes in a win uh is this another no Cantor series you can't play him here i just i can't i can't imagine that that he'll be able to stay on the floor with the way that miami shoots the three uh, i it wouldn't surprise me if brad tries it <laughs> sort of in the same way that he tried it against toronto he'll feel bad uh, well, particularly because they're playing zone so much, right? You, and there's this idea that he's like a zone buster for offensive rebounding reasons and for other reasons and how you might want to attack a zone uh, from a dunker spot or something like that. But uh, they're, they'll just tear it apart. I think everybody knows that. I think Brad knows that. But yeah, maybe it's to keep him engaged and as an option, maybe because they're in a position where they are probably going to lose anyway in a particular game. You sort of throw him out there to see what happens. But I can't imagine that he gets any real run. Uh, but I largely agree with, with what Rich was saying about uh, Time Lord getting in where I, I think the first problem is the same one that we just saw last series, which is that the natural matchup for him is the starter for Miami and Miami's backup is, is Olenek. And if he couldn't stick with uh, with Ibaka out of the three-point line, is he going to be reliable defending Olenek either? Uh, I think that the answer to that is probably no. Uh, I think also, like last series, it may be that it doesn't matter, that it's worth the trade-off anyway, and that the, the boost he gives you on offense is so significant that you just live with, if Olenek gets one more three-off than he would against Grant Williams, like, you just hope he misses it, uh, you sure. make it up on the other end with, with that scoring. That's a question I've had about this series from the beginning, uh, and, and B-Rob, maybe you want to pick up from here, is I, I am a big Rob Williams fan. I think that he absolutely should have played more last series. I don't know if he plays this series particularly much, like... It might be a, a situation where he plays first half minutes, but when it gets really down to it, if Tice isn't available and we assume that Gordon's not back and they're not playing some you know really tiny lineup, I just imagine that Brad probably trusts Grant more than he than he does Rob at this point in the, the sort of battle of the Williamses. So I think Rob could have a big impact, but I don't know if he gets on the floor as much as I would like him to. Um, and it's maybe more difficult to play him in this series than it was, was in last. So, B-Rob, I mean, I don't know if you have a thought on that on the battle yeah, of the Williams I mean, is for time. 
Right, the Williams, I mean, yeah, it's clear Grant Williams is going to play a big part in this series too, and the question will be, uh, you know, particularly in crunch time, there's no way Rob Williams is going to play, you know, the last six minutes of a game in this series um, just because of his need to get out to the three-point line with the amount of dribble handoffs and switching that the Heat will do in any kind of a spot like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you in terms of terms like those, for those first half minutes and the times where, you know, you know, Olenek, I mean, for Abaka did shoot the lights out in that series, too. And Olenek is good, but, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be shooting 55% from three. He's certainly not always looking to shoot as much as Serge Abaka is, which could help um, in a spot like that. But, yeah, Rob Williams, I think in game seven, we thought a much better effort from him in terms of handling switches and, you know, not losing track of his man, the pick and pop as much and getting those close laps. And that's going to obviously be more important in this series. So, I can honestly see it going either way. I could see him, you know, disappearing from the rotation if he, if that, if the Heat kind of abuse him with their three-point shooting early, or, you know, again with the offensive rebounding as a neutralizer to Bam on the glass. Um, I think he could hold a lot of value. It's going to be, I, it's a potential swing part of the series for me. But don't do you? Th- it's crazy because you look at Bam and like he's a legit star, right? There's there's no arguing that right now, but. He's one of the few legit stars left in the in the NBA that literally he didn't he didn't he didn't attempt the three pointer against Milwaukee like it's just not even a factor, and I think is that a situation like you still don't think there's any chance that that Rob Williams gets a crunch time like six minutes left in the game you don't even think against against Bam when you don't even have to worry about that that maybe he could he could get some real minutes but they'll just switch him on they'll just run pick and roll and make him do the switch, um I I think. All Miami shooters are good enough where in a situation like that, like unless they can, unless Marcus Smart is getting around every screen, like you're going to have to switch in those spots if you're Boston. And, and that's, and Williams is, you, maybe you trust him against some teams, but I, you don't trust him against the heat in that kind of a spot yet. Maybe, maybe this changes, but I don't think, I don't think it's, he's there yet. I don't think like, Brad trusts him against any team at this point, which is, so maybe just makes all of it a, a moot point that it's, even if you can make the argument that he should be out there, that he has some value, if Tice is in foul trouble, you know, the situation like what we saw at the end of Game 7, uh, you can you can make all the arguments you want for why you would like to see him out there. Brad's just not going to put him on the floor at that point, right? So it, it doesn't really matter. I think if he's if they went to Grant Williams having not played the entire game for the end of a Game 7, and <laughs> Time Lord had played pretty well in the first half, he was, you know, a plus for the game, uh, shot 90% for the entire series, and he still can't get on the floor in that situation. Like, is there a situation at the end of a close game where Brad's going to put him out there? I really just can't see that happening. Um, All right. But those first 36 minutes are important, though. So we'll hopefully see enough of them then. It'll be, it'll be fascinating to see. Um, all right, Rich, what do you got next for us? Well, first, let me tell you guys that the wait is finally over. Football is back. Uh, you might not be at a game this year uh, unless you live in Kansas City or some backwards places, but uh, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today. Start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, uh, and I'm going to bet guys that the Celtics. So right now, uh, in in these playoffs so far, Miami is third in the NBA, first in the East, shooting a 38% clip from three point land. Uh, I think the Celtics need to help hold Miami under 38% to 
to win this series. And I think a lot of that is right. Make it's a it's a make miss league. This say it over and over. Uh, and the Celtics are going to be switching on most things and forcing. And I, and I think against Milwaukee, Miami was able to drive a little bit more because you know Giannis isn't sort of just just playing back. Um, but in this situation, the Heat are going to have to make their shots. Uh, and thirty eight percent, I think that's a good a good a, a nice clip. If they underneath under under thirty eight percent, and the Celtics win. What do you guys think? Thirty eight percent is pretty high. Uh, I would hope they can hold them under that. I know that was their season, uh, their season total, but they were the best in the league or second best in the league, right? And the Celtics have historically, for God knows how long now, my entire life, uh, been been abnormally good at defending the three point line. So I think it probably needs to be below below thirty eight percent. You know, if it's thirty seven, I think they're still in pretty big trouble. Uh, you can push that down a little bit more uh, by in some cases, forcing the shots to the right players, which I think is an interesting conversation in this entire series, um, but also just good contests, you know, using their length and the things that they've done in the past. So I think it probably, if it's above 38, they're in real trouble. Um, if it's below 38, it, it needs to be, uh, I think, more than a couple points below that in order for them to, to feel good about how things are going. Can you expand uh, a little bit on on what you said about forcing the, you know, the, the right people and for, for the yeah, Celtics' purposes to, to get the shots? This is going to be fascinating in this series. I yeah, mean, This is like the biggest question of the series. I mean, um, oh, sorry, you want to go ahead, B-Rap? No, no, I mean, I, I want to start with the most obvious, like, Jay Crowder, I think is mm-hmm. the, the biggest question going in this series. He is, he had one of the, he was terrible shooting this year in Memphis. In Miami, he was 44% in 20 regular season games, and he's been 40% in the playoffs on over eight attempts per game, which is, he is their highest volume three-point shooter I think over 90% of his shot attempts in these games in the playoffs have been from three. So <laughs> that is bananas. And we have seen a lot of Jay Crowder over the years. There might have been no bigger fan uh, of Jay Crowder than myself on this podcast. So now I feel, you know, dignified or, you know, not dignified. Just <laughs> vindicated. Dignified. Vindicated. vindicated. <laughs> dignified. Um, yeah, B-Rob B- 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 had uh, Jay Crowder over Jalen Brown for, for many years. Oh, I remember. Yeah, so I'm, I'm yeah. vindicated now. This is he's this is the guy I thought we were 40% on eight attempts for three. So, Ryan, is this – do you have to treat Jay Crowder with the respect of a Tyler Hero and a Duncan Robinson in this series? I don't think you can. That's part of the problem here, right? So to the point that, that you were getting at, uh, in the last round, uh, when they, you know, ushered Milwaukee out very quickly, uh, he took 51 threes in five games. And nobody else on the team took more than 34, right? Dragic and, wow. and Duncan Robinson each took 34. And they're all playing roughly the same minutes. Duncan Robinson played a little bit less, but still we're talking. He took way more threes than anybody else. And he made 22 of the 51, right? So that's a just scorching hot percentage. And you watch any of those games, they left him open a lot. Uh, that's part of just the way that Milwaukee plays. They're going to give up corner three, sort of like how, how Toronto did against, uh, against the Celtics last series. So you can't be giving him just completely uncontested corner threes. But when it comes down to it, like, would you rather have Jay Crowder taking the three or Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic? You're going to have to pick your poison a little bit there. Um, I think we maybe overplay the amount of sort of four out, five out sort of stuff that goes on with Miami because uh, obviously, as we talked about, Bam doesn't shoot them at all. Uh, Jimmy Butler started making them uh, troublingly in the playoffs after not shooting them all year. But you have to pick somebody to, to play off of. And, and like I think they might even put Kemba on, on Jay and just sort of live with it a little bit. And you have to you hope he misses or you make an adjustment in the series as it goes along. 
but you have those shots have to go somewhere and I think that's the best option uh, for where they're going to go, is, you know, particularly with the, the starting five and or when they bring in Hero for, for Duncan Robinson. You still still have to live with that. Uh, and then Olenek, right, comes in as well. There's, there's just a lot of guys there who have a, a much greater track record of making them than Jay does. So I, I, I think, think that's the, where the shots go. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, though, too, Ryan, is compared to, you know, Milwaukee and Indiana defensively here, um, I think the Celtics just in this series, a lot of it, it's just gonna be like, Hey guys, we need to stay home. We need to stay home. And we have guys who can hang with Jimmy Butler one-on-one, whether it's Jalen Brown, Tatum, smart, obviously Drogic, you know, is going to be a problem. I don't know if you, you, you're either put smart or, I mean, you could put Tatum on I him think that's too. Tatum. That's, I mean, that might be a Tatum to kind of yeah. use his length to, to, to pester him. So uh, he doesn't get as many open looks there. But yeah, like it might simply be, hey, we're going to put Kemba on Crowder and Kemba, don't cheat off too much. Just stay home and get there on the closeout since you're quick um, and make Miami beat up. You know, if Jimmy Butler wants to try to win the game one on one, great. We'll take our chances with that because we like our defense there. Right? I feel like that might be, be the, the tactic in that series. And that's something that Milwaukee and Indiana can really do because they didn't have the guys to, to slow down Drogic or, or Butler. And it's crazy, and that's this last series that Miami's two best players attempted to total eleven three pointers. <laughs> well, that's I mean, wild. it was on average, it was less than that for for you know most of the regular season. I think even in the bubble, Jimmy really wasn't shooting threes at all this season. And when he was, he was shooting like twenty five percent on on the year, some crazy Terrible. low number like that. And Bam doesn't shoot them at all. And Jimmy got a little bit of a a little rhythm going there from three in that last series. Hope Again, hopefully that doesn't continue over. It wasn't a huge volume still. But he looked much more comfortable shooting them. He shot them in a couple of big spots, I think, in the fourth quarter even. Uh, but yeah, they, right, it's everybody else. It's those two don't. Everybody else who they put on the floor now, even before when they were, you know, Myers Leonard started most of the season and stuff like that. Iguodala isn't a confident three-point shooter, but like he can, he'll still put him up if he has to. And and really, everybody they put out there will shoot him except those two guys. And uh, if that's the situation, then like I said, I, I, <laughs> I have a lot of respect for Jay Crowder, but I don't know if I have more respect for Jay Crowder than I do for Duncan Robinson as a shooter. And so that's where I'm going to live with for the entire series, probably. Uh, cool. Ryan, what's next on your list? Um, well, why don't we go, uh, go back to the bigs, which I think is sort of an interesting conversation because we talked about it from the Celtics perspective and some of the strategic stuff. But uh, I think there is a strategic question as to how you defend their bigs as well. Um, like I mentioned, they just a second ago, they had been starting Myers Leonard basically the entire season until the bubble came around. They went went much smaller. Bam is now their starting center. Olenek is his backup. Those are really the only two that, that play as you know anything close to traditional center. I think the interesting thing about their team since the bubble and in, in the last couple of series uh, is that they... They, a lot of guys can be the playmakers for them now, right? So last series, Butler, Dragic, and Bam tied for the team lead in assists. Tyler Hero on a per-minute basis was basically the same as all of them. Iguodala on a per-minute basis, basically the same as all of them. They have all these guys who can be their playmakers. And so the question I have is can, maybe even should, the Celtics try to force their bigs to be passers? because they're willing to be, and so can you rope-a-dope them into it a little bit, but the bigger thing is that of all those guys, the only ones who are turnover-prone, particularly, are Bam and Olenek. So do the Celtics have the personnel and the strategy to try to turn those two guys 
into the, the primary playmakers for the Heat? And, and again, if they do have the personnel, I don't, Rich, do you think that's a viable strategy and something that they should be working at? Yeah, and again, Bam's, Bam's going to get his eventually, right? There's enough of a physical advantage, and, and maybe you know, it depends on Tice and foul trouble and all that, because after Tice, there's not going to be uh, too much. But yeah, no, I th- I think that that's probably your best your your best option. Just just in the same way that again, Nick Nurse came in uh, to every game with a new way to try to confuse whether it was Kemba or something with the Celtics offense. I think that's a good target, and I think Kelly, you put enough pressure on Kelly, I think he's going to make his mistakes. You know, I just I just think that just speed is still an issue for him. The game can 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 be too fast around him. Um, but yeah, I would love to see, especially with with Bam, right? When you know he's not going to shoot it, you can give him some space and just yeah, force him to to make plays. And again, he he knows how to do it. He averaged more than five assists a game this year, uh, which is just unbelievable. You know, sixteen, ten, and five, uh, one and one steals and blocks. I mean, he's a great player. But again. Yeah, especially when when the other option is maybe Dragic or, or Butler, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean that's I think the underrated part of how the Celtics won Game Seven was that ball pressure. Um, they forced Toronto to eighteen turnovers. I mean Toronto made some stupid decisions, but the the Celtics like Smart and Jalen and Tatum were just like hounds in that game in terms of jumping passing lanes and just putting extra pressure on that led to easy baskets that the Celtics needed, you know, clearly every point of based on how that game ended. So um, I think it's a huge tactic in the series, Ryan. You have to, you know, Tice can get up there. I think when they do the handoff and the switches and the big is at the elbows and stuff, like you can, you've got smaller players on the Celtics with good length and stuff that can really get up on them. And they've been, you know, working on this all year. Brad Stevens, every press conference is like, hey, if we don't ball pressure, we're in trouble. Like this is the perfect example in this series of how that's going to affect the the heat offense. Yeah, I think one of the things that we said maybe about the shooting and then now in this one is you don't always have a great option, right? So there's no teams that make it this far that that have giant holes that you can exploit. So you really are talking about I agree Bam can do the job. You know, like like Rich said, five assists a game. He's a good facilitator. He brings the ball up for them a lot even. But it's sort of like the the conversation around Jay versus you know, Hero and Robinson, it's like, you got to have somebody in that role. And if, if you're able to dictate who that is, then who do you pick from that? And, and I think that making the bigs into passers, particularly because, like, again, maybe you, you can turn them over, that that's an interesting uh, tactic that they'll at least try to push. But um, I think, B. Rob, are you next with uh, topics? Yes. Um, my next is, I think, a pretty clear-cut one. Um, Jimmy Butler at the free-throw line. We've talked about him a bit already. Um, do you guys want to guess where he ranks in the playoffs in free throws per game amongst all players? Is it first? I'm going to say second it, behind Harden. It is tied for first. We're both right. Guessing, <laughs> guess who he's tied with? Uh, Enos Cantor. <laughs> per 36? Um, uh, yeah, uh, Kawhi. Who knows? It is Luka. Oh, Luka and Jimmy Butler. They don't count because they went out early. Yeah, they're, they're out. Um, 10.7 free throw attempts per game in the playoffs. That is uh, damn impressive. Uh, the top player in the Celtics, Jason Tatum, 7.2 per game. Um, he's just outside the top 10. But not only is Butler getting to the line, he's shooting 84% from the line uh, this postseason. So that is close to automatic offense for the Heat right now. And that needs to not happen in this series um, for the Celtics to win. Celtics have not really been 
Rich, a team that's been good at avoiding fouling in the regular season. I think they're in the bottom, you know, third in terms of, you know, allowing free throws or just, you know, keeping teams off the line, I should say. Um, but they were a lot better, I think, in that Toronto series. Uh, they avoided, you know, Lowry had a couple big games of the line, but they really kept him, Siakam, um, and other Toronto weapons from, you know, hurting them too much there. And so that needs to happen this series. And I think, again, the, the guy I'm looking at the most is is Jalen Brown. Can he, you know, play straight up and just avoid foul trouble um, when you're trying to, if everyone else is staying home? Yeah, so how, how how is Jimmy going to try to, and maybe it depends a little bit on who's guarding him, but how is he going to attack the Celtics, right? Like, is it, like, are, are the Heat, uh, they're a decent half-court team? Because I know with Toronto, right, you keep, you keep them out of transition, and that's the key. Um, how is Jimmy going to try to do it, Ryan? You have any insight on that? Whether it's you know with back to the basket, just 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 driving. Uh, what do you think? Not per- I don't particularly have a, a ton of insight on how he's going to do it because he's a he's a good versatile offensive player, right? That's part of the challenge here is just determining how you you know how you want to attack him from a defensive perspective. He has the ball a lot. Um, you know he can certainly operate in, in pick and roll and and as a light isolation player. If he wants to post up, I'm fine with that. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not going to freak out too much about any of that, uh, particularly with the way that their shooters can can really kill you. You you can't help there. If it's Jalen and he's got Jimmy on him trying to post him up, then you just have to fight through it. And if he scores a couple times, you have to stick with it and you just can't give up on that. Um, I suspect that as the series goes along, he'll take more and more of the ball. As each individual game goes along, he takes more and more of the ball. Um, sort of shifts Dragic maybe a little bit more off-ball and, and bam into some different roles trying to attack the offensive glass and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, I expect when it comes down to it, it'll be Jalen or Marcus standing in front of him, and he's going to try to, you know, beat him to his spot. And, and whether or not that becomes getting all the way to the rim or getting fouled, I absolutely agree, uh, you know, with, with B-Rob's initial point that keeping him off the line is a huge thing. It's also really important for all the other stuff we've been talking about here, right? How do you control their bigs? If Tice gets in foul trouble because he's given help and, you know, the war on Tice, he's constantly <laughs> picking up, you know, two or three fouls every game on, on Butler. That has a cascading impact on a lot of other stuff. Um, but I think, you know, as the series goes along and, and you sort of, a lot of times the games devolve because you've gone through a whole bunch of different strategies, it'll be a lot of Jimmy Butler at the top of the key, you know, calling up a screen and seeing what he can do. Uh, and I think that's part of why Jalen is a good matchup for him actually, right? Like a lot of their off-ball cutting and screening where Jalen has struggled a lot throughout this season, throughout his, you know, his career as an off-ball defender. I think that probably becomes less of a focus of what Butler is doing as the series moves along and as you get into higher leverage situations. Um, but it's really hard to say. He can do a lot. He's a, there's a reason he's one of the, the best players in the series, right? This, this sneaky subplot to this series, Rich, you know, it's like Jimmy Butler versus the guys that the Celtics didn't want to give up to get Jimmy Butler a few years ago. <laughs> um, and thank know, God back, they didn't. Back when he threw the Bulls, right? And you, you, I mean, you think, thank God they didn't. I mean, obviously with Tatum, you think, but like even Jalen, you know, Jalen, I think was probably a big part of those negotiations back when he was with the Bulls. And the Celtics were like, weren't, you know, understandably weren't willing to give up the, the house for him and the farm um, because they didn't think Butler could be the, the number one. And this is now three years later, he stands in the way. Yeah, and I think you can argue that maybe Jimmy wasn't quite ready for that three years ago either. Maybe he sure. would have bur- he would have burned his bridges in Boston the same way, did a few different places uh, since then. Um, but I'll tell you, one, one guy that we haven't mentioned, talking about X-Factors in this series, is Gordon Hayward. 
Yes. Um, so we, he's going to play in the series. I think I'm pretty comfortable saying that. I don't know when, but any. Neither does Brad Stevens. What's that? Neither does Brad Stevens. Publicly. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure he has no idea. <laughs> um, but so publicly, he's still just kind of saying, "Yeah, we think he's getting close, but they're they're not committing to anything." Would you be absolutely shocked if he comes out on Tuesday night? Yes. yes. Zero chance he plays on in game one. Yeah, I'd say zero chance because four weeks from the original injury would have been, I think, Sunday. Um, and, you know, if he's just doing individual drills right now, you can, you know, Brad Stevens is playing coy here, but I think you can read between the lines um, in his comments in terms of saying, yeah, well, he'll be available at some point in this series, i.e. like we're not going to throw him out there before he's ready and doing it, you know, in game one, um, where he's clearly not close to 100% yet, it seems like, would be reached. But, I mean, for Ryan, like, do do the Celtics need something from Hayward to win this series? Um, or is it something where if he comes out and he, you know, plays a couple games, like, and just doesn't have it, and are they going to be able to overcome that? Sort of like the first question that we talked about on this, right? I don't think that he... I think they can win the series without him. I think it's obviously much more difficult to win this series without him. I think they have enough talent that they that they could win that, win the series without him. If he comes back and plays well, it's a, a huge advantage, and it would be difficult for me to see them losing the series if he gave them, right, say five games of good play. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's no doubt he's missing game one. That four weeks was supposed to be four weeks to the resumption of basketball activities, right? I mean, in a couple days ago, we were talking about how he's. He's come back into the bubble and is walking barefoot through the grass as his training, right? Like, <laughs> but he was we, not, we, that's obviously a, that's not a, that word we is... is yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I don't have any knowledge or any insight into what's going on there. So um, I can only go off with, you know, what's being reported out, right? Uh, but he doesn't seem like he's imminently available. My guess, if I had to put something on it, like, tell me what the, tell me what the, the series is at game four. And maybe I can have a better guess as when he's coming back in. If they're if they're two one down, if they you know end up three one down, you know as as they fall further behind and there becomes more of a pressure on getting everybody in there, I think you you may not rush him back, but um, you know make a move to get him back on on the floor. If they jump out and they're up two zero, uh, I wouldn't expect him to play under those circumstances either. You'd probably protect him as much as you can. So I think some of that may come into play. You know just sort of how the series plays out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they could go out and win these first two games without him. And at that point you would say, sure, they can, they can obviously win the series without him at that point. Uh, but right. All these things are, are close, right? A missed shot here, a made shot there changes a lot of way that you think about how much they needed Gordon Hayward. Uh, I, it would be very helpful to have him here. Uh, Rich, I don't know. You sort of laughed at, at me saying that, that that was the reporting out. I don't know. You, you sound maybe a little bit more bullish on the idea that he'll be out there sooner than later. Well, I mean, we saw, we saw the clips of him out there shooting, right? I mean, that that's basketball activity. He was, and he looked. Granted, this is just you know taking jump shots and in pregame, pregame, but that he he looked confident and capable. You know, I, but I, I the point that you were making earlier is that I kind of agree with, or just you know just to add on a little bit. I don't know because at some point you're going to have to, to some extent, work him back into the into the game into the rotation into playing at that speed and not just we're not just talking about the nba basketball we're talking about the eastern conference finals against you know a really really good team and you will likely have to sacrifice 
some minutes in there as as sort of Gordon gets his his sea legs back a little bit. Um, so I, I don't know. I just I just don't know when when the time will arise unless he's ready to, to, to really ready to grow really ready to go and i don't know if it's crazy to assume that he'll be at 100 percent. i don't know if we think like 90 percent. but if he's anything less than that i don't know if if you if you can really afford to to work him back yeah i think that's a good point like you're to it's it's gonna be a catch 22 for brad stevens if you know you're down two over three one and you're like okay we got to try him out but at the same time like we've seen the couple last postseasons like when marcus smart came back from an injury mid-series um and then shot like you know 10 percent from three um in in those games not that that was a reason why you know they lost any of those games um they needed him for his defense um but that's that's the kind of risk you run in those situations when especially with someone like hayward who you're gonna you know assume you know throw him in a pretty prominent role on the floor when he's back um so yeah i think ideally you you know best case scenario to ryan's point you you know he you go up early in the series and you you don't need him as much so it takes pressure off him when he comes back out and you potentially protect him if you do get through um for the finals and actually have him closer to 100 percent there if you can get there um all right i think we should start maybe wrapping this up so i want to say the uh betonline.ag right now uh any have you checked the series price yet bro I saw Celtics are slight favorites, but I don't I don't know how close that is. Yeah, m- minus one thirty three right now. Uh, Heat are, are are plus one thirteen. So I mean that's about as even as you get when, there, when there's no no home court inva- no home court advantage in this series. Um, do we want to start with some predictions? B Rob, you want to kick off it. a prediction? Yeah, um, I'm going Celtics in seven again. I think the Heat are. A different kind of challenge than Toronto, but just as formidable from a coaching standpoint, um, from a depth standpoint, there's fewer places. You know, it's going to be easier for the Celtics to score in this series, but it's also they're going to be stretched a lot thinner on defensively. But ultimately, I do think um, I, you know, I still do like Tatum over Jimmy as the best player in the series. So I'm going to I'm going to stick with Boston here. Right. I'll take Celtics in six Ooh. Um, because I don't want us all to make the same prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say uh, Celtics four. in four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I largely echo uh, what, what B-Rob just said in terms of where I do think they have some advantages, and I think that they're worthy you know, favorites, if not huge ones in, in the series. I would be a lot more comfortable making a, a pick if I knew exactly where, where Hayward was. Uh, I just think that this series, they're going to get out there and find that it's quite a bit easier to score than it was last series. Harder to defend in the half court as well, but they're you know, well-equipped for that. Um, and I think once Kemba and, and Jason find a little bit of a, an easier road than they did against Toronto, that hopefully they can get rolling a little bit and uh, get through this series. Also, we're getting getting to that point where uh, you never quite know how the pressure is going to play. Um, and I, I like the way that the Celtics have a history even you know with their very young players of of making it to this stage before um and i think that that gives you a little bit of an advantage down at the end of games uh so i'll yeah i'll take celtics in six it's crazy like in a vacuum you know celtics celtics heat i think it, uh it makes sense to pick the celtics but like when you take a step back you, you, we are predicting that the boston celtics are going to reach the nba finals the That's bubble finals. 
What's that? <laughs> the bubble finals. Everything about this is wild. You may as well go wild because this entire thing is wild. So why not? It is. I mean, I can't wait. I spent a lot of time talking about how there would definitely be an asterisk on this uh, on this title, no matter who wins it. And I'm going to have to do a lot of backpedaling once the, uh, <laughs> the Celtics are in that position. But no, I, it's, I'm going to pick the Celtics two, six or seven. I, I don't know. It, does, it doesn't really matter. No one really cares. Uh, but I think the Celtics are, are going to win. I, I think, I mean, granted, game, game one tells a lot in every series. But I just, I just can't wait to, just, to see how the, 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 the narratives and how just the matchups and how everything in this new series is going to play out. I think, you know, we're so, you know, Toronto is a not so distant memory, but I think very quickly we're gonna, you know, fall into those new storylines and those, just everything. I'm excited for for a new series to get started and just knowing what's on the line, right? I mean, I don't think anyone's particularly looking forward to to facing the Clippers or the or the Lakers or who knows the Nuggets if if it, if it gets to that. But um, this is exciting. I, I, it's it's hard to believe, like I said, that they are that they are four wins away from from the bubble finals. We'll call it. Uh, just can't wait to get started. I can't wait for Pat Riley's first press release to tell him. Danny Ainge to, to F off and from seven you guys remember this seven years ago? Yeah. Rich Yeah, no, the, I, I, after I, the LeBron criticism and then Ainge uh Riley releases something through the heat saying um Danny Ainge should worry about his own team and like F off. I love the idea of Riley like having his his secretary take a note. Right? <laughs> Can we get uh Zarin and Andy Ellsberg throwing down on the center court after game seven just to... <laughs> Yeah, that's what's gonna have to take. It's a shame that Danny that Danny's not gonna be in the bubble from this, but maybe hopefully Zaren. I think see Zaren start taking shots at Riley. That'd be be nice to, to carry the that torch. Um, all right, well, that will do it for us here. Uh, again, uh, thanks to Ryan uh, for joining us once again this postseason run. Uh, f- give him a follow at DangerCart on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Brian T Rob. Find Rich at Rich underscore Levine. Uh, feedback. As always, welcome at Winning Plays Pod on Twitter. And yeah, we'll be back with game one reaction um, either on Tuesday evening or Wednesday. Um, Got the early morning. game on Tuesday. Yeah, yay for 6.30 starts. Way to go, Nuggets. Way to pull that out. Um, <laughs> oh, quick. Are, are the Clippers going to blow the series? Is, I is Doc? I, I can't mean, imagine they really will, but they've, they're the Clippers. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> Like there's there's been a lot of dysfunction with that team in in the bubble, so um, I don't know. That's that that'd be that'll be someone else if if they they blow that one. But Nuggets have been um, here before. This is true. They they're five and zero in elimination games in the bubble so far, which is nuts. Um, but yeah, we'll um, we'll be back on Wednesday uh, with the after the early game. Thanks to that Clippers Nuggets series, and um, we will talk to you guys then. <laughs>